0: How would you like to do church like Jesus did? Over the past few years, we've learned that church can happen in a very meaningful way outside of a church building. In fact, we're getting raving reviews from our house churches, which are now over 100. Though I thank God for churches in buildings and on campuses, God is leading more and more people these days to gather for church in their homes. Not only is it easier for many people to attend a house church, but a house church can offer a level of community that campuses can't. Well, I'm excited to announce that every Thursday in December and January, I plan to host a house church interest meeting on Zoom at 5 o'clock p.m. Pacific time. If you're not attending a church right now and are interested, or if you know of anyone who's interested, then all they have to do is email us at hcinfo at solidlives.com or click the link in the description of this video. Okay, now let me welcome you to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman, where we read and talk through a chapter of the New Testament every day. I'm glad you're here because reading God's word daily will change your life. I'd appreciate it if you'd help others find this resource by sharing the link, and if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel. Okay, now let's pray and we'll jump into God's word. Father, thank you for the Word of God. Thank you that it's inspired. I pray that each person watching or listening today will hear what you have to say to them through your Word, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Okay, here we go, Luke chapter 6. Now, it happened on the second Sabbath after the first that he went through the grain fields and his disciples, his disciples plucked heads of grain and ate them, rubbing them with their hands. Now, why would you rub them? Well, it's it's a form of threshing wheat. They would normally thresh wheat on the ground and they would put the, on a threshing floor and uh, put the wheat there. And then they would drag sometimes by an animal dragging some kind of a grate over them to, to grind the wheat. And what happens is it removes the wheat grains from the chaff, all the other little Sort of, what would they be? Uh, the the foliage, the part of the plant that surrounds the wheat, you have to separate those. So you just get left with the actual wheat. See, and this is where Psalm 1, if you remember, it says, blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delights in the law of the Lord. And then it goes on to say, the wicked are like the chaff, which the wind drives away. So on a threshing floor, when you thresh the wheat and separate them, then you'll... uh up on a high hill maybe the wind's blowing they'll throw the wheat up into the air and the wheat is heavy so it'll drop back down but the chaff is very light and the wind will blow it away the wicked are like the chaff that the wind drives away and then the wheat stays and so here uh, the disciples were just wanting to munch on some wheat and so what did they do they plucked the heads of wheat and they would rub them in their hands and all the chaff would separate and then they would just eat the, the grain. Sort of like with peanuts and we crack the shell open. We just eat the peanuts, but we throw the shell away. It's similar. It's a little snack. But notice this. They were rubbing them in their hands and some of the Pharisees said to them, Why are you doing this? Why are you doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath? And so, now let me just say, the Bible talked about the Sabbath and being a day of rest and so on. But, the Jewish people, the rabbis and such over the centuries were adding, adding, adding laws to the Sabbath. You can't do this. You can't do that. Today, if you go to Israel on the Sabbath day, you're going to a hotel, which I've done many times. Uh, there are elevators certain, like if they have two elevators, one of those elevators would be a Shabbat, uh, excuse me, a Sabbath elevator. And the buttons don't work. Because they stop on every floor. Why is that? Because if you're a Jew, an Orthodox Jew and you don't want to do any work according to not just the law of the Bible, but according to the traditions of men, you can't even press the button to take you to your floor. And so they have Shabbat elevators. you don't have to press the button. you just go get on the elevator and it just stops at every floor and then you get off when you want to. That's why we always try to take a different elevator so we can actually get there more quickly. But nonetheless, this was happening in the days of Jesus. And so these Pharisees are like saying, what what are you doing? Well, they're not working. They're just plucking heads of grain and eating them. They're not going to harvest a field, right? But the traditions have really kicked in. But notice this, how Jesus responds a little differently than you would think. Uh, why are you doing? They asked what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. But Jesus answering them said, have you not even read this? What David did when he was hungry, he, and those who were with him, how he went into the house of God, took and ate the show bread and also gave uh, some to those with him, which is not lawful for any, but the priest to eat. And he said to them, the son of man is also Lord of the sabbath and his course son of man is talking about himself well this was an actual story in the old testament when david was running from king saul and he came to the the tabernacle and he asked you know the priest that he knew by the way uh do you have anything to eat the priest knew who he was because he was one of the generals in saul's army and the priest said all i have is the showbread that you know is only for the priest to eat and so david said i'll take it and notice the point is that God did not condemn David for that. Yes, it was in the law that only the priests were supposed to eat this and such. But remember, David is a man after God's own heart. And David tapped into New Testament realities in the Old Testament. He just saw the heart of God and he honored the Lord. And so he didn't need the law to honor God. He honored God from his heart. And so the Lord... Uh, in a sense, bypassed the technicalities of the law for David because David's heart already wanted to please God. He didn't need the law, and this is the way God wants us to be in the Old, in the New Testament: that we don't need every one of these little laws to to help us to do it. That we have these two commandments: love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, uh, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Just do those things. Jesus said. And so David had that in the Old Testament, had that heart to just love God. And so God bypassed those technicalities of the law. And Jesus said, look, you need to know the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. In other words, you're, you're hung up on all the little laws and your traditions. And of course, but you're missing the whole point you're missing the boat that it's not about not having a snack while you're walking through the grain field grain field but it's about honoring the lord on the sabbath and not feeling like you have to go out and work for your living uh, but that god's going to provide for you so you're going to rest and trust that the lord's going to provide for you you don't have to work seven days a week and it's an honor to the Lord, and a rest for your bodies as well. Verse 6. Now it happened on another Sabbath also that he entered the synagogue and taught, and a man was there whose right hand was withered. Now we don't know exactly what it looked like, but in my mind I picture an arm that uh, sort of like it wasn't getting blood supply, wasn't getting life, and maybe it was from birth, right? But it was shrunk up like a shorter arm, shriveled atrophy maybe, but it was a smaller, shorter arm. It just was not a full length arm. Verse 7 So the scribes and Pharisees watched him closely whether he would heal on the Sabbath. Why are they doing this? Because he comes in now to the synagogue and there's a guy there who has a, a, a physical disability and they know he's been healing people so they're watching him to see surely he wouldn't heal on the Sabbath. See the traditions? Like like the bible prohibits you from healing on the sabbath (laughs) come on but this is the way they thought they put all these rules and regulations in addition to what god's word says which were called traditions so it says they watched him to see whether he would heal on the sabbath that they might find an accusation against him they're looking to accuse him to discredit him Verse 8, but he knew their thoughts and said to the man who had the withered hand, arise and stand here. So he calls him out. Come come stand up here. And they're watching him. Oh, he's going to do it. He's going to do it. And uh, he arose and stood, the man did. Verse 9, then Jesus said to them, I will ask you one thing. Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil, to save or to destroy? He's saying, you know, I know you're thinking about the Sabbath and what's right to do. He said, Are we allowed to do good on the Sabbath or evil? To save or destroy? And when he looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. Another one of the gospels said he looked around them with anger. He was frustrated with this attitude that they can't even see with their eyes. There's a man here who needs help. God wants to help him. God loves. They they don't get that. They just have rules and laws and you can't do this. Critical hearts and attitudes. And when he had looked around at them all, he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he did so and his hand was restored. Can you imagine that thing just going, stretch out? I don't know how long it took. Was it just boom, just like that? Or was it slow? I don't know. But can you imagine watching this happen? I have a good friend of mine who Um, uh, years ago, was out uh, doing street evangelism. He was at a park and he was sharing with somebody. And he said there was a guy here who had a long sleeve shirt on, but one of his sleeves, you could tell there's no arm in there. And he just had this little bitty arm way up at the top. Uh, But he said, you couldn't even see it because he had his shirt on. And uh, he was saying to people things like, hey, you want to see a miracle? You know, you guys, and he was praying, he was talking and such. Well, guess what? (laughs) He said it shocked him because he prayed for this guy and all of a sudden an arm shot out, filled up that sleeve and his hand shoots out the end of that sleeve. And he said it tripped him out too to see that. But he said, talk about people coming to the Lord. People really came to the Lord and believed the message that he taught because of that. God's still doing these things today. We have to have faith to stretch out. So, his hand was restored as whole as the other, but they were filled with rage and discussed with one another what they might do to Jesus. So listen to this. They watched this outright miracle happen, but it didn't fill them with faith. They weren't believing the message. See, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, not just by seeing miracles. Miracles can can complement the word, can confirm the word, but people still need to hear the truth of the word of God, and they need to believe it. Verse 12, now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God, all night. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose 12, whom he also named apostles. So why did he pray all night? Because he was about to make a very crucial decision. Who will I disciple? These 12 disciples, well, let's say 11, uh, because Judas didn't make it, and they added a replacement for Judas named Matthias. But those 12, and by the way, one of the qualifications for uh, replacing Judas was that you have been discipled by Jesus. And we here from the beginning from the baptism of John. So Matthias had been discipled by Jesus as well, but just he wasn't one of the 12 that were very close to him. And so uh, these 12 would change the world. And Jesus knew I have to have the right 12. So he prayed all night. Oh, that we would take our assignments so seriously to pray and to make sure that we're hearing from God. That was against his flesh. His flesh didn't want to do this. His flesh wanted to sleep. But no, he knew he had to, to get this right. So here are the apostles, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, called the Zealot, Judas, the son of James, and judas iscariot who also became a traitor and he came down with them and stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of people from all judea and jerusalem and from the sea coast of tyre and sidon who came to hear him and to be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits and they were healed, and they were healed. It doesn't say all. It just says, and they were healed. So the way that it reads, it means that they were all healed. All these people that were demonized were healed. All these people that were sick were healed by the power of God. You can see what a prayer life does. He's a praying man, example to us. Verse 19, and the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him and healed them all. Now it says all for power went out from him and healed them all. Power went out from him and healed them all. So they were seeking to touch him because power went out from him. How did this happen? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, then he lifted up his eyes toward his disciples and said, blessed are you poor. And this is the Sermon on the Mount. That's typically uh, started, you know, we typically read that Matthew uh, chapters five, six, seven, uh, and maybe eight or some of eight. Uh, I'm not sure, but this is the same Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are you poor for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now for you shall be filled blessed are you who weep now for you shall laugh let me just stop and say jesus was speaking a very relevant message these jewish people were under severe taxation and uh, oppression by the romans they were considered like second class people under the romans who were you know their the citizens of the Roman empire under the emperor, right? And uh, the Jews were not treated very well. So they were heavily taxed. They were poor and they were struggling. And Jesus was coming with a very timely, relevant message. Like God is going to turn things around for you. So let's pick it up again. Now, Uh, verse 22, blessed are you when men hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and cast uh, out your name as evil putting you down, belittling you, discrediting you for the Son of Man's sake. In other words, when you're being discredited for the Son of Man's sake, for Jesus' sake, because you're a Jesus follower, a believer in Jesus, a Christian. Verse 23, rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For indeed, your reward is great in heaven. For in like manner, their fathers did to the prophets. And so Jesus is saying, hey, when persecution is coming, don't feel bad because the fact that you're willing to continue to stand for the Lord in the midst of persecution, your rewards are racking up in heaven. It does not go unnoticed. He said, you should be full of joy. Leap for joy. He says, even verse 24, but woe to you who are rich for you have had your consolation. Woe to you who are full for you shall hunger. By the way, rich is relative. And for us in the the United States, compared to the rest of the world most all of us are rich and so uh, let's not exclude ourselves and think this is just talking about the top you know two or three percent of america i think most all of us would fit in that category compared to the rest of the world woe to you who are rich for you have received your consolation woe to you who are full for you shall hunger woe to you who laugh now for you shall mourn and weep woe to you when all men speak well of you for so did their fathers to the false prophets so Jesus is saying check yourself because it's so easy for life to be going pretty good for you and not realize that's not the way it is for everybody and here life is going pretty good for you and yet you're not being obedient yet you're not treating God and treating people like you ought to be treating them And so Jesus is calling people out there and we all need to allow the word of God to cleanse us and for us to say, Lord, may that not be me. Help me to be who you've called me to be. Help me to love you and obey you and love people the way that you want me to. Verse 27, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies. See, this is counterintuitive. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you and pray for those who spitefully use you to him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And boy, this is so counterintuitive, even to our Christian culture, isn't it? Verse 31. And just as you want men to do to you, you also do to them likewise. That's the golden rule, as we call it. But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. In other words, uh, we can give and say, I really gave. Yeah, but you're giving to people that make you feel good or or give back to you or whatever. Uh, Just this morning, our granddaughter she came in the room early in the morning. She said, I'm five years old. It's her birthday today. And uh, But she sat there and she was telling Kimberly and me a story. She said, my friend, and called her name, she gave me a card and it had money in it. And she's just five years old. So, you know, money is a big deal. And the, regardless of how much it is, it might just have been a few dollars. She said, and it had money in it, had a few dollars in there. And list, listen to what she said. And she said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to save it and buy her a present isn't that precious? So here's a little girl that gave her money and she's going to save that money to buy the little girl a present. Oh, what a precious heart. We, Kimberly and I just thought that was just the greatest heart, and the greatest thing. And so Jesus is saying, in fact, I joked with her and I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you a card with a lot of money so you can buy me a present. <laughs> and she laughed. But uh, Jesus is saying, if you're giving, but all you're giving is for people who are gonna bless you somehow, make you feel good, give back to you. You know, you invite people over to dinner or lunch or whatever, but it's all people that you like to be with instead of inviting people that nobody else invites, people that need that kind of love and outreach. See, Jesus is portraying the heart of the Lord. And and what we, want to believe about our obedience. He's saying is often short, far short from real love. Uh, Verse 34, and if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back, but love your enemies. Do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. And I And you will be sons of the most high. What does that mean? That's the way God is with people. He gives. He knows he's not going to get back what he gave, but he gives. Be like God, Jesus is saying, for he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, they're not even grateful. I'm not giving them anything again. Notice Jesus said, your father does. Even to people that are ungrateful, they never say thank you. Not don't appreciate it all. He keeps giving to them. For he is kind to the unfaithful and evil. Therefore, be merciful just as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So notice Jesus is explaining to them, We all reap what we sow. And the way we dish it out, it'll be dished back to us. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Now, I I believe one of the reasons why Jesus is teaching this is because, and this applies to us today, we don't want to just learn from the person that God put us under. We want to We want to learn from here and there and, you know, this podcast and that YouTube video and whatever, thinking, well, we're going to get a piece of everybody and we're going to be smarter. Okay. But Jesus said, the character is not there, just trying to take the best, but you're not receiving the correction. You're not receiving the instruction. You're not receiving the accountability. And Jesus is really saying it's more honorable to be put under the right person and stay there and receive what that person has. And don't think yourself better, or you're going to be limited by that person. You're not limited because God put you there. And so to to think that I need something more than what God put me under is to question God's wisdom and to think yours is better than that. So Jesus says, Uh, a A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? hypocrite first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye for a good tree does not bear bad fruit nor does a bad tree bear good fruit for every tree is known by its own fruit for men do not uh, for men do not gather figs and thorns excuse me figs from thorns nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So Jesus is explaining to everybody, look, uh, don't judge other people because that judgment will just come back to you, but do do what's right. And if you see other people doing good, don't judge them as if they're doing bad because bad trees don't bear good fruit. And if you see somebody doing bad, then don't think, well, but they're probably good. Well, Jesus said, no, you're going to know them by their fruits. See, so notice this, verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his, heart, of his heart brings forth good and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So Jesus is saying, you can tell what's in the heart of a person by listening to what comes out of their mouth. If they're talking all the time about girls or sensuality and such, you know that's what's in their heart. If they're talking about the Lord, you know that's what's in their heart. Verse 46, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you say the prayer, you call me Lord, you call yourself a Christian, but you're not in your life doing what I tell you to do. You're calling me Lord, but it's not real. Because if I'm really your Lord, which means master, then you would be following my instructions and obeying. So why do you call me Lord and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me, notice the three things, comes to me and hears my sayings and does them. I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing, you heard, but you didn't obey. He who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So Jesus is emphasizing that to be a solid person on the rock where the storms of life don't take you out, the spiritual storms don't take you to hell. How do you do this? You come to the Lord on a regular basis, and you hear what he's saying, and you do it. You don't just go to church and you hear, but you pretty much do what you want to do in life. Jesus is saying, no, you're not solid. No, the solid person comes and listens to what God is saying to him or her and obeys and continues to obey. You repent when you don't obey and you come back and you obey. And Jesus said, that person is solid. (laughs) And when the storms come, that person's still going to be standing there. But the other person has no foundation because they do not obey what I'm telling them. All right. Well, that's chapter six, another great chapter. I'll see you tomorrow for chapter seven.
1: Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Deerman, And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com slash give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple-making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.